Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from No Quarter Dominium, Volume 6, written by M.J.L. Evans and G.M. O'Connor. Volume 6 of 6 marks the thrilling conclusion of the Dominium series. Danger looms over Dr. Strangeway's plantation when tension between the English and French becomes a reality. Plantation residents, including Atia Crisp and Capitaine LaRoche, must prepare to find a new home before the battle for Jamaica begins. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from No Quarter Dominium, Volume 6. The Blarney Stone Thunder boomed and silvery black storm clouds covered Cayman Brock Island. Lightning bolts charged the sky. Theodore Binge watched the harbor from his carriage, reluctant to get out. It had been a fortnight since he and his two stepdaughters, Henrietta and Gertrude, left Port Royal. They were staying at the cottage by the lake on the outskirts of the brock. Tonight, with the looming storm, Binge had decided they would stay at the Blarney Stone Inn and Tavern. There would be plenty of company and provisions if needed. In any case, Henrietta and Gertrude had tired of waking up each morning to small caiman alligators hanging about on the front porch. Binge pulled the hood of his rain cloak tighter around his head. Whirl Rook's ship, Diamond Dog, bobbed violently in the tide. Binge saw quartermaster Tiny McAllister and sailing master Quinton Winter braving the elements to double-fasten her down. Just beyond, near the larger dock, a tall schooner of gray and light blue bounded into the harbor. Binge recognized Laurence de Graff's Comita, Things were going to get interesting tonight. Binge helped the ladies down from the carriage. Go on up. This is going to be a good one. He gave them each a quick peck on the cheek. Don't be long. Gertrude latched onto her sister's arm before they ran to the tavern. Don't be long, Binge said, but that's my best quality. He unhooked the horse and led him into a stall. Binge patted Penombre dry and fluffed up the hay. After fetching clean water and dispensing squares of sugar loaf, his horse was ready for bed. Sweet dreams, Penombre. I'll be back to check on you. Binge shivered along the path to the tavern. Bart better have a fire going. Along the way, he recognized a newcomer who was emerging from a small, beat-up fishing boat. Mason Sleemans, Governor DeWar's advisor, trudged along the dock. I didn't ask for first class, but some class would have been nice. Sleemans complained to the boat's captain. The Blarney Stone Tavern was crowded and dirty compared to the Swiftsure back in Port Royal, but the booze was abundant, the billiard board new, and the fireplace ablaze. Spanish musicians played guitars as patrons clapped along. Permission, Captain Bart? Binge asked, wiping his boots on a wicker mat. Granted, Theodore. Come in and be welcome. Bartolomeo Portuguese was like a weather-beaten rock, Badly scarred and blind in one eye, this never dampened his spirits, however, nor did he ever water down the spirits. For the past twenty years he had run the tavern successfully after retiring from the pirate life. Bartolomeo was one of the founding fathers of the Brethren of the Coast. What'll it be? Two bottles of brandy for the ladies, to go. Gertrude and Henrietta warmed themselves by the fire. Aye, Bartolomeo said. Aye. Squawked checkmate, masquerine parrot, perched behind the bar. Binge took the bottles over. I'll just say hello for a few minutes and be right back. Gertrude picked up her brandy. 
Just meet us upstairs when you're done. Don't be too late, Henrietta added. Binge kissed each of them before they vanished up the staircase. I won't. Don't get cold now. He went to the table where Tiny and Winter warmed themselves with tankards of ale, joined by Snapper with his rum. Miracles never cease, Tiny began. They let you stay? Snapper clumsily mixed cards. Deal you in, then? Sure, one hand for old time's sake. Binge swiped the deck to give the cards a proper shuffle. Say, there's a light on in the captain's cabin. Tiny nodded. He's weathering the storm with Katie. Good to see him bouncing back, Binge said. Depends on what angle you're looking from, Tiny replied. The back door burst open and rain blew into the tavern. Binge recognized the new arrivals, Marie-Anne Dominique de Presse and her six-year-old daughter, Marie-Marguerite, called Yvonne. Marie-Anne was married to Poilu de Grand, leader of the Freebooters. Close the damn door, Bartolomeo, Bartolomeo called. Checkmate screeched, Close the damn door! Marie-Anne shut the door and took off her coat. Her long chestnut hair was a tangled mess. She moved to a table near the fireplace. Yvonne followed and produced a box of tobacco. Dry as a bone, Mama. Good. Roll a lot. Tea's going to be a long night. Marie-Anne adjusted her loose corset and added, Not too tight. Oui, Mama. Brandywine, Capitaine Bartolomeo, s'il vous plaît. Marie-Anne glanced around and noticed Binge. Monsieur Theodore, they allow you out? Miracles never cease. I should join these strong men for a drink. My husband is out at sea. Bartolomeo brought her a couple of bottles. I think that's my cue to leave, Binge said. Why? Snapper grinned. Gotcha worried, does she? You could say that. She's what gamblers call bad odds. Marie Anne eyed him up, pushing her hair over her shoulders and lifting up her cleavage. She seems to want ya, Tiny said. Binge pretended not to notice her. Well, two's my limit. Besides, she don't go anywhere without the dwarf. Did you give her the signals? Winter asked. I don't know, Binge raised an eyebrow, but I'm getting some awfully strange ones back. Her trouble is that she goes into heat every time her man goes out to sea, Snapper said. And he ain't someone you want mad at you, Binge added. Remember, I'm allergic to violence. Gives me a rash. Snapper shrugged. I may have compounded things for you when I told her you took a fancy to her. You're jesting, right? Binge's eyes widened. Why would you go and say a thing like that? He wanted to lop his own head off, but it would be a waste of a good cravat. You was making eyes at her. I saw it. Shit, you're blaming the compass for pointing north? Ben shifted his chair as Marie-Anne sauntered over to sit with him. Bonjour, Marie-Anne. Liking the weather? She put her foot on Binge's chair. Oui, I do. I have always liked storms. A high-pitched laugh escaped her crimson-stained lips. Katie! Have you seen her? Tiny pointed to the docks, outriding the waves. Marie-Anne slid a bottle over to Binge. Have a drink on me. Binge felt his face heat up. Why, merci, that's so kind of you. If my stepdaughters walk in now, they'll beat me to death. So, what brought you back to Le Brock? I just hitched a ride. Marie-Anne leaned forward, her breasts straining against her corset. That is not what I heard. 
They say it was you who saved Katie and brought her here. And they say it was you who killed Coxhall. But they say all kinds of things, don't they? We oui, don't they? Binge responded awkwardly. Excuse-moi. Maria Ann left for another table. Binge glared at Snapper. Your mother left you on a beach, didn't she? Winter grinned. Welcome back to Zibrak, Monsieur Theodore. Tell me, how is it that you've been with two women for years, and yet you have no children? Trouble with the old mast? Snapper guffawed. Binge laughed. You only wish. No, my beauties and I aren't inclined to have children right now, so I do the responsible thing. What? Snapper smirked. They savor the old maypole? I never speak of my ladies in such a way, but you get the idea. Binge shuffled the cards. Straight up? The main door to the tavern opened, and another gust of wind and rain blew in. Mason Sleeman's soaked through and miserable, entered. Binge's interest was piqued. Close the damn door, checkmate squawked. Oh, sorry. Sleeman shut it. You know him? Tiny asked. Nay, I thought maybe it was Rook. Sleeman's tried in vain to shake the excessive water onto the wicker mat before wandering to the bar, picking fish scales off his clothes. What's your business here, compadre? I didn't hear you get permission. Bartolomeo began. I'm solicitor for Lord Longbone of Lancashire from Eleuthera. I'm seeking Captain Bart, Sleemans replied. Aye, Bartolomeo gave a dry laugh. From Lord Longbone of Lancashire, what do you want with Captain Bart? I'm to order wormwood wine and frog's legs, but honestly, the frog's legs will make me sick. Rank amateur. What's your name? Bendover from Eleuthera, Sleeman said reluctantly. Bartolomeo shook his head and motioned the barmaid. Take over here. He opened a section of the bar counter to let Sleeman's in. Follow me, Bendover from Eleuthera. Sleeman's followed and was handed a towel before being led into a private room. He seems important, Snapper said. Binge passed the deck to Tiny. He was wearing fish scales. Nature calls. Besides, I promised the horse I'd check on him. I'll check for Rook's light on my way. Would ya? Tiny scooped up his winnings. You gents go ahead and get cocksure. I'll be back in a spell. Binge darted past Marianne, catching a wink before stopping at the bar. Another round for the table on me. Cheers erupted as Binge vanished behind a curtained area. Following a corridor to a pantry, he found a spot where he could hear the goings-on in the private room. You can assure Lord Longbone he has the support of the Brethren of the Coast, Bartolomeo pledged. Laurence is right off our shore, Sleeman said. Right you are, Binge thought. And what of the Capitan? He was on Jamaica. The French already have St. Kitts, Sleeman's continued. They can have St. Kitts, Bartolomeo deliberated. I tell you, any captain who moves against Jamaica is an enemy of the Brethren and is fair game. If it be true, the Capitan has no exemption. What about payment? Sleeman's pressed. How do we hire the men? It's best we just send you the bill. Binge crept back along the corridor. He took his coat from the cloakroom and headed outside. More spindrift blew through the tavern. Close the damn door, checkmate said. Binge slammed it shut and followed the path to the stable. A light came from Diamond Dog, and shadows swayed in the window. They need me in there like I need a hole in the head. He pushed forward, his face slapped by the storm. 
Grasping the door to the stable, Binge slipped inside. Penombre bleated. Easy, it's just a storm. It's been a year for them, that's for sure. Binge sensed the presence of someone in the stable with him. A dark figure with a feathered hat stepped out of a stall, stiletto in hand. Binge readied the throwing knives concealed in his sleeves. The figure stepped into the dim lantern light. Should I be nervous? Binge asked. I don't know. Lorenz de Graff put his blade away. Did you stick it in Marie Anne? No. Then you've got nothing to worry about. Binge retracted his knives. He'd been passing intelligence to Laurent since the late seventies. Glad you could make it. Anything for the Capitan. Where the hell is he? Binge took a note from his inner pocket and handed it over. On Jamaica, wondering where the hell everyone else is. I told him not to go near that island alone, but you know him. Laurent scrunched up his face and squinted. Of uh, five forts and a hundred men? Uh, what the fuck? Uh. He read the note. Where's Laloon? Captured in Port Royal, and it's six forts now and a big man of war. Yeah? Where's the new line? It's White's line, north of Morgan's line. Six guns. Old Whitey gets his own line after all these years? Lorenz smirked. Why didn't they call it Bleeding Arts Line? That would have been snappier. With a snag, they put it right in front of Belford's house. Binge patted Penombre and gave him a cube of sugar loaf. That ain't good timing, but I'll remind St. Domingo we want to keep to big military targets like Fort Charles. That would be much appreciated. Laurence paused. We both got a lot of friends in that city. How are easy and busy? They look well, but we don't hang out in the same place as much. Laurens removed a satchel of coins and tossed it to Binge. He took out a pepper's pen and a bit of parchment. Binge tucked the coins away. The Brethren knows about the French plan to take Jamaica. Laurens scribbled a note. Of course they do. Things don't stay secret out here, do they? His crew won't know anything, but it's the Capitan they want anyway. And poor old Francois Le Picard is getting the worst of it. They won't get nothing out of him but a whole lot of frustration. I always wanted him on my ship, damn it. How could the Capitan be so reckless? He met a redhead. Laurent sighed. And all the pieces fall into place. He folded the note and handed it to Binge. Can you send this by registered post to Port Royal? Care of Baldran Imports. Twenty-one up birds on Queens. Binge nodded. That I can do but the Brethren's going to hang the Capitan out to dry if he's taken by the English. He's on Jamaica now, and it's his own damn fault, Laurence grumbled. I sail for Petite Goave when the weather clears. I'll check for the Capitan on the way. He tipped his hat. Well, always a pleasure, Theodore. Give my best to the girls. I will, and viva la Jamaica, Binge said. Laurence took off into the storm. Binge patted the horse. Maybe we'll rename Port Royal Penombra. What do you think of that? The horse whinnied in agreement. Laurence de Graff pulled his coat up against the pelting rain. He passed a handful of his men fighting their way to the tavern. He entered unnoticed, slipping into the cloakroom where he shook his hat and ran his fingers through his hair. The tavern was lively, and he recognized the high-pitched laugh of Marie-Anne Dominique Dupress. He peered out. She sat with Royal Rook's crew, a cigarette in her mouth, and Yvonne on her lap. Snapper was telling a tale. So there's only twenty of us left, and they still got one more fort and three hundred men. 
Henry had us all running around hollering and blowing stuff up. Laurence chuckled at the memory of Puertobello. Snapper continued, Gator Gar and Rock Braziliano walked right up to them, right up to the main gate at Portobello, and Henry says, Surrender! And they all bloody did! Laughter erupted. Your cunning and skill astounds me, Tiny said. Marie Anne nudged closer to Tiny. My goodness, we are a big boy, yes? Winter looked at Tiny. Your bet. How is this possible? Marie Anne felt Tiny's arm. How did your arms get so big? Tiny ignored her and continued the card game. Laurent smiled to himself and thought, If ever there was a rival to the whore of Babylon, Marie Anne was it. She was worth it, though. Scarred, but very pretty. Snapper continued, Tiny was oarsman on a galley for years and rode clear across the Atlantic and into the Mediterranean. He was a pirate then. I never seen you on a raid. When were you a pirate? Marie Anne asked. Not around these parts. Tiny studied his cards. Raise. I break your concentration, yes? She teased, looking down. Oh, I'm making you hard, no? Nay, I raise. Tiny tugged his shirt down. You just did, Winter said. Oi, you did, Marie Anne laughed. Tell me about your galley across the Atlantic. Snapper jumped in. It was in Barbados that Tiny here was an indentured man, rowing on a slave galley just over from Africa. The captain gets word they got to go back at all speed, so they store as much food as they can and row straight back across the sea through an endless chain of storms, rowing day and night with no stops, only shift changes. They cross the Atlantic. That's where them arms come from. Tiny lowered his cards. In the Mediterranean, along the Barbary coast, where the slaves are taken from Africa, they're sent to Barbados or Tobago, or one of them slave conditioning bases in the New World. We was sent to Malta, where we was told we was picking up a message and heading back to Barbados with no shore leave. I'd had enough and jumped over. Took the whole gang with me. We took fire from the ship, but most of us swam to shore. They charge you with piracy for that? Marie Anne gasped. Nay, me and the lads joined a pirate crew and lived in Madagascar for a year. Even met the brother of Cormac O'Malley, Work, his name was. We took a silk and spice ship off India and came away with a good haul. When plunder was divided, I had enough to start a new life in my own business, so I sailed for Port Royal. When I got there, I was charged with piracy, sent to Marshalsea Prison. A year later, they sent me back to Barbados on a galley that got taken by pirates. Tiny pointed to Bartolomeo. His pirates, Royal Rook. And me, Winter added, taking a card. I raise. The door blew open, unleashing a torrent of rain and wind. Close the damn door, Checkmate called. You never know what shit will blow in, Marianne said. Laurent slipped out of the cloakroom and closed the front door. Permission to enter, Captain Bartolomeo. Permission granted, Laurence de Graff. Come in and be welcome. A hush fell over the tavern. Laurence de Graff? Marie-Anne scoffed. Laurence de Canard? Diamond Dog is here. Where is Rook at? Laurence asked. Around, Bartolomeo said. What'll it be? Ales or spirits? Ales for the men, and I'll take a brandy. Marie-Anne shuffled closer to Tiny. The number one pirate in the Caribbean. He wouldn't stand a chance against you. You want to bet? 
Winter replied. Tiny seemed very uncomfortable. Huh? Your bet, Winter said. What? I'm thinking, Tiny snarled. Not so much this scary pirate now, huh? Murray Ann called over to Laurence. What does this Spanish call you now? Laurencia? Little Lawrence? Laurence grinned. Hey, double-double toil and trouble, Marie Anne. I was invited as you were, so let's try not to be little bitches, shall we? Little bitch! Marie Anne's daughter Yvonne scowled. Laurence signaled for a drink. The apple didn't fall far, did it? Checkmate squawked. Royal Rook and Katie entered. They struggled to close the door and shook the rain from their coats. There you are, Marie Anne waved. Katie, drink with me, dear. Katie waved and helped Rook with his coat. Laurence pointed. Whoa, you Christians take your Bible seriously. A large black patch sat over Rook's left eye. Were you looking for love in all the wrong places? Rook sneered. I thought I saw your comita sail in. But then I asked myself why a slave-trading weasel like Ducount Count Three be inclined to set foot in the Blarney Stone. Hey, I gotta fit into society like everyone else. Laurence took a bottle of brandy and glanced around. I love the decor. Clientele could use some improvement, though. Laurence winked at Katie. Hey, I know you. Songbird. Hey, this girl can sing. Songbird, sing us a song. Katie opened her mouth to show her stump of tongue. Laurence was revolted. Shit, sorry. He took a mouthful of booze. Truly, I am. You've had an amazing voice. It's a shame. But then again, Port Royal will do that to you. Rook put his arm around Katie and guided her to a table. The lady is with me, mate. Laurence rubbed one eye. We all make mistakes, he laughed. Except me, of course. The barmaid walked by. Mmm, what's that fragrance? Sweat and ales she said. Well, whatever it is, it's working for you, he winked. Careful, lovely. The divorce is final. De Graff's a free man again. Amor visit omnia, baby. Rook snorted. There's a sheep out back for you. Laurence toasted. And she says she wants you home by nine, so drink up. Aye, maybe you ought to drink up and be off, Rook said, before someone makes you draw your pretty sword. I don't mind the implication so much, but I prefer women, thanks. That eye-hole could be a lot of fun, though. Bartolomeo sat beside Laurence with a mug of ale. It was my friend Laurence de Graff who donated the Spanish galleon they call El Grif in his honor, on this very spot. The aft half served as a tavern and inn, and the grand stateroom was my home until the hurricane of 85, the same one that saw the demise of the Chevalier Gramont. She tore through these islands and then smashed Cuba and Florida. There was nothing left of El Grief. This is the first time Laurence has set foot in my place since it was built, and he is an honored guest in the Blarney Stone. Laurence raised his bottle. Well, I am honored to be an honored guest, Captain Bartolomeo. Why is it called the Blarney Stone? Marie Anne asked. Bartolomeo is not particularly Irish. Snapper explained. Cormac's pikeys built this place a week after El Grief broke apart. Cormac himself made the sign as a joke, the Blarney Stone, and put it on the door. He was expecting Captain Bart to change it, but he never did. It's just the Blarney Stone. Bartolomeo signaled the musicians. 
and it has survived two hurricanes since. Guitarist, step forth. Tonight, my friends, we play for you a ballad written especially for our guest from my home, the city of Veracruz. A musician bowed to Laurence. It is an honor, senor. They played La Bamba. Katie and Rook took their seats far from the music with Marie Anne. Tiny considered Yvonne, who was passed out next to her mother. The brethren's changed some. Aye, Rook said. How's the head? Winter asked. Rook gave Katie a prolonged kiss, still throbbing. Marie Anne squeezed Tiny's arm and looked at Katie. You never tell me you have such exciting men in your life. Hey, they're playing my song, Laurence boasted. You paid them to write it, Rook goaded. I was at Veracruz. They could not have taken it without Les Freebooters. I should have my own song, Marie Anne griped. Laurence flashed a grin. You do. It's called Ring Around the Rosie. Now let them play. You was at Veracruz? Tiny cocked an eyebrow. No joke. The last great pirate raid. Snapper bobbed his head. Tell us a tale, then. Marie Anne leaned in, her breasts resting on the tabletop. Grammont hired us for a raid, but no one knew where. We all met at Isla de Pinos. Us, Laurence, and his Samana Bay buccaneers, Grammont's flibustiers, Van Horn's interlopers, and Le Frère de la Côte, with Le Capitan and privateers from Port Royal to make sure all investigators were happy. They sent us to Laguna de Terminos, and we all sailed for Mexico. She paused to light a pre-rolled cigarette. Deep down in the bay, they took a big galleon by surprise and sailed west for Veracruz under a Spanish flag. The galleon led the way, with Laurence in command, looking like a merchant coming home with goods. He called it Operation Trojan Horse. He sailed right up to the great fortress of San Juan de Ulla and dropped anchor, claiming his ship was damaged. At night, Laurence and his men scaled the towers and took them by surprise. When he had the fort, Grammont landed us at Punta Gorda and into the city. By the end of the day, Laurence and Grammont met up at the Citadel and declared Veracruz ours. And then you freebooters moved in to occupy the city, Winter added. Oui, I had a splendid view of the countryside to watch Grammont trample down their armies with their own cavalry, raiding the hills and farms throughout the night. Winter tilted his head. What I don't swallow is why the Spanish call him a hero. He wrote in the contract that no civilians were to be deliberately harmed, and he more or less kept his word. Pirates rape and pillage. It's all part of the deal, Snapper said. But he wouldn't let him. He even killed Van Horn because he was cutting up hostages and slaves. That's why they like him. He just wanted the slaves for himself, Rook spoke snidely. Took every last one of them for their own safety. The musicians finished the song and everyone clapped. Binge returned, took off his coat, and hung it in a cloakroom before joining the table by the fire. Marie Anne addressed Tiny. My husband, Boilly Legrand, challenged Laurence de Crop to a duel for cheating us out of our share of slaves. But the coward has yet to face him. Some day, when I have my sword, or better, my gun, I shall confront him. I take it you've met. That is the pirate Laurence, right? Binge said, Oui, it is him. He is a, how you say, dickhead. Laurence raised his bottle and gave her a wink. And your English is immaculate as always, Marie Anne. 
Everyone laughed, and Bartolomeo came over with two large bags of coins. Compensation for your lost parts. He handed a bag to Katie and the other to Rook. Under the Articles of the Brethren of the Coast, you're both entitled, with five hundred each from Bleeding Art and Larry Llewellyn thrown in for a tip. Rook weighed the bag in his hand. Aye, generous, mate. Very generous. Bartolomeo patted Katie's shoulder. I'm sorry for what they done to you. You got a lot of friends in Port Royal. We square? Katie nodded, almost tearing up. I invite the captains for a drink in the parlor. Bartolomeo announced and opened a door beneath the staircase. The captains rose to follow. Marie Anne nudged her daughter. You stay here and roll us some more cigarettes. Oui, mamma. Yvonne yawned and prepared more tobacco. Ben shuffled cards. All right, kid, you in or out? Oui, I'm in. Yvonne picked up her mother's cards. Laurence entered and everyone sat on padded wainscot chairs and drank brandy. Faintly, the music from outside could be heard. The musicians were now playing La Cucaracha. Hey, Marianne, they're playing your song, Laurence quipped and received a string of curse words in return. He knew she loved the attention. She always played hard to get. Bartolomeo opened the meeting. This is Marie-Anne Dominique Dupress. She's Legrand's number one and booking agent for the Freebooters. And who is this with these sparkling shoes? Marie-Anne inquired. This is Mr. Ben Dover from Lord Longbone in Eleuthera. They have business interests in Port Royal. Laurence beamed. How is old Dorcas doing, Monsieur Sleemans? Sleemans squirmed. Fine, thank you. Sieur de Baldran, or is it de Graff, or the Count? Now that we're all friends, what does Dorcas want anyway? Lorenz asked. He wants to hire privateers. Pay attention, Marie Anne said. I thought women were not allowed on pirate raids, Sleemans muttered, incurring a wrathful stare. We're not on a pirate raid unless you plan to pillage my parlor, Bartolomeo remarked. Sleemans again shifted awkwardly, resting his head against his hand, trying to partially cover his face. Our islands have deep economic ties. War between us would hurt everyone. The English know the French plan to invade Jamaica. I don't know nothing about that. I'm retired. Ask the Capitan. I hear he's taking Port Royal one tavern at a time. Laurence laughed, and Marie-Anne joined in. He continued, I got no problems with no one. I'm retired and know nothing of an attack on Jamaica. But you refurbished heavy cannons for the flibustiers, Sleemans argued. Cannons to be used on us. A man's got to live. Preparation for an attack makes you equally guilty. Guilty of offending the slave capital of the New World? You are a slave owner, Rook said. Owning slaves is an immense responsibility. I treat my slaves better than you treat your crew. Marie Anne gave an exaggerated yawn. Exactly, Laurence gestured to Marie Anne. Let sleeping dogs lie. The brethren will never allow King Louis to rule Jamaica. That must be clear, Bartolomeo said. I have no influence over St. Domingo. Governor de Cussy gets his orders from King Louis, and if he and William are poised for war, what can I do to stop it? Laurence leaned back in his chair, 
hands behind his head. Would St. Domingo be willing to discuss peace negotiations if Port Royal were under the flag of King James? Sleemans asked. King James's flag is busy trying to take Ireland. When's he going to get here? Laurence quipped. He never left. A coup d'etat? Marie Anne gave a mischievous laugh. Sleemans nodded. A coup in the name of King James. And how will King James pay? Marie Anne queried. His supporters would have to put up a lot of money, and at the risk of high treason. Laurence removed his hat and ran his fingers through his hair. And Lady spreads her wares here is right. Who's going to put up the bond? Bond or not, I'll give me life for King James, Rook stated. I'm sure your crew will be glad to hear that, Laurence bellowed. Mine, on the other hand, like getting paid. My captains are full supporters of King James and will wage war in his name to defeat King William, Bartolomeo said. Sleemans lifted a case from his feet and removed a scroll speckled with gold leaf and a red ribbon. He unrolled a letter of mark from the Duchess of Albemarle. Bartolomeo nodded. The brethren recognizes that seal. We ask for the support of St. Dominga, the Samana Bay Buccaneers, and the Freebooters as well. Sleeman said. Each glanced at the document. Marie Anne nodded. Oui, I will send your proposal to my husband. We will discuss terms with King James on the condition that you can make it happen. I won't promise nothing, but I'll discuss it with Governor de Cussy in St. Dominga, Laurence agreed. Sleeman's returned the letter of Mark to his case. If we can unite our forces, the Orange Party will fall. They must all realize this to be true. Bartolomeo brought out a green glass bottle. This must be love. He's bringing out the good stuff, Laurence exclaimed. Bartolomeo filled each of the glasses. We have yet to make an official accord, but this opens negotiations. We'll each discuss this with our associates and benefactors and meet here on December 1st. We must have absolute secrecy. No one can know what was discussed but our benefactors, on pain of death. Everyone nodded in agreement. Sleemans raised his glass. Then let us toast to the continued friendship of our islands and to King James. Say aye, Bartolomeo said, and everyone did. Laurence felt a cold stare from Rook. Bartolomeo rose. Next round's on me. Everyone took the cue to leave. Laurence sniffed the chartreuse liqueur d'elixir, savoring its pungency. Every good battle should begin with a shot of this. He drank slowly. The liquid burned his throat. Once more into the breach, dear friends. Once more. Katie Evans finished her brandy and considered the bag of coins. It was bittersweet that she had to get her tongue cut out in order to come into money. But she and Rook were set for a long time, and she'd never have to step foot in Port Royal again. Katie poured another shot as Bartolomeo came out of the parlor, followed by Sleemans. Dewar's advisor was such an uptight, slimy little man, she could never stand to be around him. See the bar about lodging, Signor Dover, Bart said before addressing Tiny. McAllister, Captain Castle speaks very highly of you. Tiny was taken aback. The best quartermaster I've ever seen, Rook affirmed, and the men will follow him. Diamond Dog needs a captain the men will follow, 
and Rook can't command while he's laid up. Bartolomeo presented a scroll. Tiny McAllister, I promote you to Lieutenant in Service of the Brethren of the Coast and give you temporary command of our scout ship, Diamond Dog. Rook's my captain, sir, Tiny replied. Rook patted his shoulder. You earned it, mate. I ain't going no place just yet. You gotta play the hand you've been dealt. Tiny nodded. Temporarily, then. Aye, just temporary, Rook agreed. Lieutenant McAllister, assemble a crew and make sail when the weather clears. Aye. Bartolomeo handed over a letter. Your first orders are to deliver a message. Aye. Meanwhile, Laurence and Marie-Anne traded insults. It was a game they played, pretending to despise each other. Katie knew Marie-Anne was sweet on Laurence. Marie-Anne returned to the card table, where her daughter slept on the empty side of the table. Uh, she lost, Binge said. Marie-Anne woke Yvonne with a shriek and chased her out of the room. Women, Binge shrugged. They never know when to fold anyway. Rook wrapped his arms around Katie, and she kissed him passionately, catching a glance from Laurence. Port Royal in 83 was when Katie had met Laurence. He was selling goods from the Veracruz raid, and his favorite haunt was the Four Feathers Tavern. Katie sang in the evenings, and Laurence offered to take her away. She declined, insisting she was Royal Rook's girl. Rook's lips brushed her ear. If you hear when that arsehole is leaving, let me know. She nodded, and they joined the card table. Marie-Anne reappeared after a few minutes for a drink. She told another pirate story while Laurence and his men threw darts. Binge continued to deal, a large pile of coins on the table before him. It was definitely his night for winning. Winter, Tiny, and Rook lagged from too much drink. Binge scooped up his haul. No, you don't, Tiny pointed. One more round. Binge sighed. If you say so, I wouldn't want to end up having you all indentured. Just deal, Winter growled. Laurence won at darts. There was clapping and cheering before he signaled his men to get their coats. Thank Captain Bartolomeo for his hospitality. I shall retire to this splendid inn. Laurence winked and waved at everyone. I bid you all a fond adieu. You are a coward and a snake, Laurence de Graff, Marie-Anne heckled. Don't let the broomstick give you slivers, Marie-Anne. Laurence headed out into the storm. Marie-Anne cursed under her breath. Perhaps another time, my big strong pirate. She patted Tiny's arm and rose to leave. Good night, Monsieur Theodore. Marie-Anne kissed Katie's cheek. Katie had known Marie-Anne since before her time in Port Royal. They were like sisters, and Katie was happy to share her room. Another hour passed, and Katie grew weary of watching Binge throttle Rook and his crew at cards. They were determined to win back their gold. She tapped Rook's shoulder and pointed to the stairs. He nodded. Katie stumbled up the creaky staircase and down the hall. Wall sconces illuminated the thick red carpet and threw shadows on the black-and-white floral wallpaper. She passed several paintings depicting lush trees and rolling grassy hills. One had a quaint cottage with a thatched roof. Katie pictured living in such a place, far away from the piratical world of the Caribbean. When she reached her room, the door was ajar. Yvonne was passed out on the bed. Moaning and grunting came from behind a curtain. Marie-Anne uses such discretion. 
Katie folded her arms, listening to their conversation in between heated gasps. Laurence groaned. Oh, I forgot how good you feel. When are you pulling out? Marie Ann asked. Oh, baby, never. I'll stay in here forever. When are you leaving? I'll go just as soon as I come. Marie Ann panted. Harder. Fuck me harder. That's it. Oh. Spread the word around. We're going to hit Campeche or Veracruz again, and they will come. We come, come. We'll meet in Tortuga. Collect as many men, ships, weapons, and supplies as you can. Oh, we, we, we. The bodies rolled to the floor with a thud. Katie staggered away, passing a leg-cased window. The rain had stopped, and all that remained was mild wind. Pre-dawn light seeped through the grayish clouds. She carefully descended the stairs, clutching the rail. By this time, all the pirates were unconscious. Some reclined in chairs, some were on the floor, and others snored with their heads on tabletops. Katie stepped around several bodies. Rook slept on the table, drink still in hand. She grabbed his mug and he came too. What is it, love? He mumbled. She pointed to the door. Maybe later, dear. He fell back to sleep. She slapped him. What? Rook lifted his head. Katie pointed to her rear and made an O with her fingers. Next she swayed her hand like a sail and waved goodbye. He rubbed his eyes. Have you been into that Dr. Strangeway's shit again? No, Tiny yawned. She says, That arsehole's sailing away. Laurence? Rook shook his head to wake up. Tiny checked the window. Aye, crew are getting ready. Rook kissed Katie's cheek. You did good, girl. Katie smirked. Aye, I know, you fucking idiot. Tiny shook Winter's shoulder. Oi, he's leaving. Then he bellowed, Ready to make sail. Ready to make sail? Checkmate squawked. Winter rose, half drunk, to gather his things. Just like a dog, eh? Rook snorted. Don't get too close, and once you see St. Domingo on the horizon, cut him loose. Aye, Captain, Tiny saluted. I'll see you when I get back. Rook put his arm around Katie, and she helped him upstairs to his room. When his exhausted body fell into bed, he went straight to sleep. She crawled in beside him, content in the knowledge that they had all the time in the world together. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from No Quarter Dominium Volume 6. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.